I didn't really see. It is great to see all of you this morning on this warm day in the middle of July. David wrote in Psalm 108, My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great above the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. It is so much of a blessing to have the privilege to gather together to worship, whether we're here together physically or whether you've joined us online this morning. And it's uh, my prayer that as we sing together, as we study God's Word together, that you will experience the presence of the Lord and that you will be transformed. Before we continue on with our singing this morning, I just want to lead us in a time of prayer. If we were to share our prayer list with one another, I'm sure it would take up multiple pages because there are many things going on in our country, in our lives. But as I pray out loud, I just ask you to join in prayer as we pray together. Father, we thank you that this is the day that you have made and that we can rejoice and be glad in it. We can give thanks to you because 
you are worthy of our praise. Because your love is great, your faithfulness reaches to the clouds, and we can say unashamedly and with great confidence that, Lord, you will never, ever let us down. So, God, in these days that we are in, in times of doubt, in times of wonder about what's going on, we thank you that you are faithful. When we look around and we see the shifting sands of society, we thank you that you are the solid rock. We thank you that you alone hold everything in your hands. We thank you that you have the ability to do all things, and so we can say with confidence, nothing is too difficult for you. And we pause this morning to say thank you for who you are, that you are a great God who does wondrous things, not just in the past, but in this present day. And so, Father, for those who are sick, we thank you that you are the healer. For those that are afraid, we thank you that you give a peace that passes all understanding. For those that are in need, we thank you that you are the great provider. For those that are lost and in need of salvation, we thank you that you are the Savior. And so, God, this morning, with glad hearts, expectant hearts, we invite your presence here with us in this place, online, whether someone's in their vehicle or in their living room, whether they'll listen to this right now live or listen to it later. We thank you that your presence is here. We thank you that by your Spirit, you will help us to worship you in both spirit and in truth. We pray for guidance for our country, for our leaders, for our president, for our our governor, for our county officials, for our mayor. We pray that they would seek after godly wisdom and they would do what is in the best interest of all the citizens. And that political agendas would be laid aside, that they would look to you. I pray for our churches that meet this morning. I pray that you would fill those that speak, pastors and teachers, with with boldness by your Spirit to proclaim your truth. I pray for members and congregations as they seat, set together or they're apart, Father, that you would build a unity and a togetherness in their hearts that can only come from you. I pray for the world that is watching and wondering, the world that is beaten about by all the things of life, the storms that come. That you would show the light of the hope of the glory of the gospel through men and women just like us. That we aren't anything special, but we're just men and women that have allowed you to use us. So speak through our lives and speak through our words. Help us this day to lift up and glorify your great name. And Lord, help us to join in with David and David and say, My heart is steadfast, O God, and I will sing and make melody with all my being. Help us to sing with glad hearts to a good God. Because he has blessed us with all things in his son Jesus. And we pray in his wonderful name. Amen. May the Lord bless you as you continue to sing with us this morning. Would you stand and sing with us this morning?
invite you to take your Bible out and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll begin reading from verse 5 down to through verse 15 in just a minute. But I wanted to just summarize for a, just a moment what we've looked at for the last several weeks as we've talked about together what it means to be a great church. We've looked at our great God. We've looked at His great kingdom. We've looked at 
the great salvation that He provides, the great victory that is assured, the great commandment that He's given each one of us to love one another and to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And He's given us that greatest of all missions that we looked at last week. That Jesus told us to go and make disciples. And all of those things are parts of what it means to make a great church. But in the midst of all this great talk, I don't want us to be overwhelmed in thinking about greatness and whether or not we are at that point. In fact, it reminds me of when I was able to take golf lessons several years ago. Um, I, I learned the basics with a set of Goodwill golf clubs at a driving range ran by a little retired couple and I literally just hit golf balls until I had blisters on my hands and I did most everything incorrectly and some things correctly, but I actually learned to hit the golf ball. And then finally, I was able to take some golf lessons. And I would hit lots and lots and lots of golf balls, every opportunity I had. And at the driving range at the time, there was a a tree about 125 yards in front of me. And after several lessons, the instructor told me that my goal before we could proceed any further was to be able to hit the golf ball both around both sides of that tree, to be able to hit it, to draw it around the tree this way, and to be able to fade it around the tree this way. And he would stand up there, and he would do it with with such ease. He'd just throw a ball down and just hit the ball, and it would just curve perfectly around the tree both sides. I'd try to do it, and it would just drive me nuts. I hit more balls into the tree than I did to the left or to the right of the tree. But he told me that until I moved past that point, there was really no other instruction. He said, I'm not going to take any more of your money because if you don't figure this out, there's really not any more that I can teach you. And from that point on, I was still a work in progress. Sometimes our life as Christians, we have to remember that we're works in progress. There's going to be times of great success. There's going to be times of failure, some minor and some we would consider monumental. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. There's going to be lots of learning along the way and growing. And the goal is, over time, to become more and more like Jesus Christ, to build into our lives godly character and Christ-likeness. And we also need to keep in mind that our church is a work in progress. That over time, we're growing to be what God wants us to be. That we're learning along the way. We're growing along the way. That we're not perfect in any way. Except that Jesus is in us. That we're loved by Him. That we're blessed with everything that we need. And we have the promise of His power and His presence by His Spirit. In God's church, whether it gathers here or whether it gathers down the road or even in another country, is a building project that's like no other. God has the plan. Jesus is his foundation. And God, little by little, does the the building. I want us to look together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Start reading in verse number 5 with a question. You see, this church was dealing with 
divisions around who people were following, following men and not ultimately following Jesus. And, and Paul writes, what then is Apollos? Who, what is Paul? Servants to whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Let's pause to pray before we look at some truths from these verses together. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to gather together in your name this morning. We thank you that we are a part of your church and that we are called by your name. And we thank you that you speak to your church. We thank you that your word and your spirit speak to us, teach us, train us. And we ask this morning that you would teach us, O Lord, what we need to know. Open our minds, open our hearts toward you. Help us to see the truth that you have for us. Apply it to our lives by your spirit and transform us and we ask this in jesus name amen so really the main idea that we would look at this morning is that we are god's work in progress built on the foundation of christ and growing where he planted us you see jesus is growing his church literally around the world like a field or constructing it like a building. And along the way, he plants, cultivates, nourishes, establishes, grows, and ultimately completes his work. And no matter what we're doing, we always need to be reminded that everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. All of creation itself belongs to him. He creates it. He created it. He owns it. He keeps all things. In this verse, you see that we are God's fellow workers, God's field, God's building. It's a reminder that it's God's work and that God has possession over all things and he does what he chooses. Psalm 24, verse 1 reminds us the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. Romans 11:36 tells us from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. 
So all things belong to God. And out of all of those things in the world, God chose for himself his own people. Jeremiah says it in chapter 32, verse 38, And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. What a wonderful thought is that on a Sunday morning in the middle of July during a pandemic that God is calling for himself his own people. And he calls them my people. They're called by his name. The ones that trust in Jesus, his only son. And he says to those people, I will be their God. It's amazing, isn't it? It's wonderful. It's an unbelievable act of God's love and grace that he would call me by name. That he would call you by name. And in Christ, we can say, I belong. For those that feel like they're outcasts, for those that feel like they've been forgotten, they could say, I belong. For those that feel like they have no value, they could say, in Christ, I have value. For those that search in their life for meaning, they could say, in Christ, my life has meaning. And they can join with those that say, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. His people. And he takes his people and he builds them into his church, which is established in Christ. Jesus, standing there at Caesarea Philippi, says, I will build my church. Jesus loves his church. He's passionate about his bride. Imagine the love and the passion a groom has for his bride, not only during the courtship, not only during the engagement, not only during the wedding, but that after. And multiply that times infinity, and you begin to understand how much Jesus loves his church. It's his bride. Set apart from the world to radiate the beauty of his love to all of the world. dressed in white, cleansed by His blood to display the glory of God to all of creation. And one day, oh Jesus, the bridegroom is coming back for His bride. What a day that will be. And if you look around, I believe it is much sooner than some people would think. And in that church, He placed ministers, men, and women to shepherd and steward His people, to watch over them, to care for them like a flock, to feed them and nourish them from the Word, to make the truth of God's Word known, and to lead them by example to be more like Jesus. He has His people, He has His church, but He also has His resources. Look around you, everything that was made that is in existence, belongs to God. It's all His stuff. And we are entrusted as stewards to use what He has given us, gifts, talents, provisions, to bring Him glory and to advance His kingdom. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 14. The end of the verse says, For everything comes from you, speaking of God, and we have given you only what comes from your own hand. 
We belong to God. Everything belongs to God. And the only thing we can give back to God is what already belongs to Him anyway. And He draws these men and women together with His resources, forms them into a church under His leadership to do His work. He establishes a perfect working relationship. God brings all the stuff we need. He gathers His people together to do His work. Now, everybody has one of those friends. The one that in a time of need you can just call on the phone and they show up and they bring all of their tools and all of their abilities. I have a lot. Um, I can think about Ken. I can think about Bob. I can think about Shane. I can think about my father-in-law and many others. People that in time of need, I just call up and they show up. Their tools, their knowledge. And I'm just there to remain available. And they do the rest. Think about it this morning. God has everything we need. People, check. Resources, check. Power and ability, check. And what do we do? What does He call us to do as His people? Show up. Be available. And then as he leads, join in his work. That's why Paul says that we are God's fellow workers. Think about this just for a second. We have the opportunity, the privilege to join God in the work that he is already doing all around us. The word there he uses for fellow workers or co-laborers is the word synergos. You may have heard the word synergy The idea where two things work together and the result that they create is greater than what could be predicted by just one person. It simply means one who labors with another. Co-worker. We join together in this work, God's work, with Him. And the result is always greater than what we could do ourselves. We've all tried to do things by our own effort and we see how futile that is, but when God becomes involved in the equation, we see what happens. So it's greater and it's always better than we can imagine. In our own strength, in our own power, in our own ability, we would say average at best, but when we join God in His work, it's always better than we can imagine. It's a partnership. First and most importantly, we partner together with God, but then also He calls us to partner together with other people. People to work with one another. That's why in Ecclesiastes, the pastor writes, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. Somewhere along the way, some genius came up with the idea of crowdsourcing. To use other people to help them do their work. They draw knowledge goods or services from a large body of people simply by making the need available. Kickstarter has helped literally thousands and thousands of companies get their ideas produced and on the market. Almost $3 billion has been pledged by people to fund those projects. It's amazing. 
an idea is out there, people put up the need and they make it available online and people just start giving. Long before Kickstarter, God has been calling people all along the way to join Him in His work, to unite with Him in His mission and His purpose. Something way better than Kickstarter, but kingdom building. You see, these two men, Paul and Apollos, they were on the same team. They were working with God to build and to grow this church in Corinth. They were called by God to join in His work. They were depending on His resources to achieve His mission. A little over a hundred years ago, Baptists joined together in 1919 to start what became known as the Cooperative Program where churches small and large all over the country combine their resources to enable more missions, more evangelism, and more ministry to happen around the world. And they realized that working together, we could achieve more than one person could do alone to help achieve God's great mission. And today... You and I here at Cross Timber are fellow workers with God. He's the one that sets our agenda. It's His plan. He sets our schedule. He gives us the workers. He gives us the power to work, the ability to work. And then He's the one that brings the growth. And He's the one that gives out the rewards. And those co-laborers or co-workers work together in his field. And so Paul also says we're God's field. It's his people and his people labor in his field. So we could say in a way we work on God's farm, not our own. And it's a field where God does the cultivating. He provides the growth and he produces the fruit. And there's no doubt that it's a well-worked, well-tended garden. One where a return is expected. It's guaranteed. See, this church at Corinth belonged to God. By Paul's missionary efforts, it was founded in about 50 A.D. before Paul moved on to Ephesus. It was under God's care and direction. And God was responsible for all the fruit that was produced. Paul planted it. Apollos watered it. He was a minister that helped to provide spiritual nourishment. He was an eloquent, competent speaker, teacher in the Word that came from Alexandria. You can read about him in Acts 18. And he wasn't in competition with Paul. He was in cooperation with Paul, even though those in Corinth tried to make it a popularity contest, both of them. Paul and Apollos were both working for one thing, the gospel, to promote gospel work. And in that, God brought the growth. Makes me think about our personal gardening efforts at 623 Ridge Hill. Um, we certainly won't be able to provide nourishment for the community. But I planted some tomato plants. And if I am anything, I am an unfaithful waterer. But I have a faithful waterer. Deborah waters the tomato plants. 
So I planted them, Deborah watered them, and God makes them grow. And we've actually had tomatoes this year after I installed a net to keep the birds um, from plucking them away. You see, it's God, the master gardener, that brings the, the growth. The one who says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser, tells us that as we are connected to the vine, it's his fruit that he produces in us. And God chooses where to plant. God chooses what to plant. God chooses how to plant. God chooses who will tend to the fields, and God chooses how much will grow. Why? Because it's His field. Now we go from Corinth to 623 Ridge Hill to 2560 FM 731. Cross timber is God's field planted here. It was planted or replanted in October of 1996. Faithful remnant from Hilltop, ready for growth and a new start, joined together with a committed group from First Baptist Burleson who were transplanted, supposedly temporarily, to a new spot. Most did not return. They stayed. There was a devoted couple that was called to to lead and plant and water some fresh retirees from the mission field who thought they were going to serve as missions pastors, became the pastor, Boyd and Sid Pierce. And over the years, God has called and used many men and women. And he's continued to water. He's continued to keep watch over his field. He's continued to send workers to the field. A loving, gracious, trustworthy God watches over this field that He's planted here. And He gives the growth because He's the master gardener. But Paul also uses another metaphor. He describes God not just as a master gardener, but also as a master builder. You see, he says we are God's field, but we're also God's building. Now, if you've seen pictures or if you were around, you would have to agree that the physical structure at 2560 FM 731 looks much different than it did back in 1996. A new sanctuary and more Sunday school space was added in the early 2000s. The parking lot was enlarged. The youth trailer was ceremoniously pulled away. A new building was built in the back. The physical structure looks much different. But we all know, because we've all done the little thing with our fingers, we're the church, here's the steeple, that the church is not a building. No, the church is made of people. The building is just the structure. It's wood, concrete, glass, nails, paint, carpet, etc. And those things deteriorate and change over time. Unless it's carpet, which never changes in churches, because that's too controversial. The ground underneath remains basically the same, but the people that gather in this building over time, God's building, His church, change, adapt to His purposes and His plans. Because God puts people together by His choice for His purposes. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 tells us that you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house 
to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Established on a solid foundation, rock solid, it's Christ. One that the gates of hell won't prevail against. And while this church, the church, is on a solid foundation, which is Christ, it's not a finished work. You see the word he uses there for house means a structure that is still being built. Another way of saying it is a work in process. I've had the privilege of driving quite a bit through the country of Honduras. And you'll see blockhouse after blockhouse after blockhouse. And the top level of blocks has rebar sticking out the top. Waiting for more work to be done. Waiting for more funds to be available so they can add another level. Remaining unfinished so it's not a finished building to be taxed as a finished building. See, we are this unfinished work. We're still under construction. Just like those houses in Honduras, just like the churches in the past, God is still working on His church. He's sanctifying us, maturing us to look more like Jesus. He's adding to His church, person by person, living stone upon living stone as He chooses. He does that locally, across timber or other places just like us. He does that globally, the church around the world. We go back to Corinth, we find out Paul founded this church. And he built it on that solid foundation of Christ. And others throughout the years came and they built on that same foundation. Building very carefully and cautiously. Heeding that warning of Paul to stay on the solid foundation of Christ. Because the building won't last no matter what materials you use if you don't build it on the right foundation. But he also encourages the use of quality materials. He says, build with things that are eternal, that will last, not with temporary things that will soon pass away. Don't focus your thoughts on the latest trends, the latest fad, personal preference, glamorous personalities, or opinions. Things that he would describe as wood, hay, and straw. Things that in the end will be burned up. Rather, he says, build on things that will stand the test of time, that when they pass through the trials of fire, they will remain. Truth, biblical truth, sound faith, the example of Jesus. He explains those. He describes them using the words gold, silver, and precious stones. Because we should expect a day of testing in the last days. Thursday, I got to spend most of the afternoon in Cleburne at my my dad's house waiting for the building inspector to come and verify a plumber's work on a natural gas line. He came and repaired the line on Tuesday. The inspector came on Thursday to make sure that the leaks that he found were fixed. And that work needed to be done 
correctly to pass his inspection to gain his approval. His work would be judged by that inspector. Our work as believers, as a church, will pass through the fires of judgment. A judgment that will prove the worth and the lasting value of what we do and how we do it. J.B. Phillips says in his translation that knowing that fire will prove the nature of each man's works. Wood, hay, and stubble will burn away. Gold, silver, precious jewels will remain. And the end result will either be waste and lost or a lasting and perishable reward. See, today is July the 19th. And I, I would submit to you that Cross Timber is still under construction. God's not finished doing His work on me, on you. He's not do, finished doing His work through us. He's not finished doing His work for us. And He's not finished doing His work with us. It's not finished with us yet. If you think about that, at least for me, that's both encouraging and challenging at the same time. It encourages me because it makes me think that the days ahead could be some of our best. That God has exciting things for us. It's also challenging to me because it makes us consider, are we willing to follow Him where He leads us? You see, culture changes. Technology continues to advance. Days seem to get darker. And the end becomes nearer. But our foundation is still the same. It's Christ. And God still continues to renovate us, to reform us, to reshape us, to look more and more like Jesus. And He still expects us to build carefully. Continue to listen to His voice. To seek after His will in prayer and using His Word. To keep to our duties and our responsibilities that He gives us. To be careful that we're not just going through the motions. Living a life filled with half-hearted commitments divided in our loyalties Jesus on Sunday and the world the rest of the week superficial giving where it's just a little there a little here but not enough to feel any hurt not enough to cause any sacrifice weak and anemic prayer life and just scattershot here and there evangelism now god intends so much more for us than that he doesn't want us to just go through those motions he wants us to live our lives with his kingdom placed at the very front of our minds that all our heart all our soul all our mind all our strength everything that you are would be dedicated in loyalty to the King, to Jesus. Or we had abandoned ourselves, our agenda, our personal preferences, 
our wants and that we would take up our cross daily. Follow after Jesus. That we would give sacrificially. And I'm so thankful that we are I'm a part of a giving church. Both of our time and our resources. That our prayer lives would be powerful and effective as we focus on praying earnestly for the advancement of His kingdom and for His glory. And then our evangelism would become more focused, would become compassionate as we share. But I want you to keep two things in mind. While we're not there yet, God's not finished working. In fact, I really believe He's just getting started. Ruth Bell Graham passed away in 2007, the wife of Billy Graham. She's buried beneath a simple stone grave marker. The top of her grave marker, there's a Chinese character for the word righteous. She was born in China to missionaries. Below that's her name, and then her date of birth, and the date of her death. And at the bottom of her stone... There's a phrase that she read one day while she was riding in a car. She saw it on the side of the road. And the phrase says, end of construction. Thank you for your patience. One day, construction will be complete. Jesus will make all things new. Believers will see him face to face. All will be well, just as He intends. But until then, we're His work in progress. Church, be faithful. Be patient. Trust God is working. But be excited. Because we are a work in progress. you pray with me? Father, this morning, we are grateful to you because we are your work in progress. We're not everything that we need to be, admittedly, but in you we have everything that we need to be who you want us to be. God, we're thankful that just like old clay pots, you choose to work in us so that the greatness of your power would shine through us, through all the blemishes, through all the cracks. And so, God, on this day, encourage your church, encourage believers to see that you're not finished with us yet. In fact, you're just beginning to get started. And so this morning, help us to commit ourselves afresh and anew to you, to your work for your church, your work in our own lives. And that we would simply be willing this morning to give our yes to you and say, yes, Lord, what you call us to do, we'll do. Where you send us, we will go. What you ask of us, we will give. We'll serve where you call us to serve because we want to be who you want us to be. Your church, planted in this place, growing as you choose and bringing you glory. 
Oh, Father, we love you so much, and we praise you, and we give thanks. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, as we prepare to sing together and commit this time to the Lord, I just want that word, yes, to be on your your mind. Because ultimately, that's what God is asking from us each and every day, is for our, our yes. The first step, the first yes that we must make is that yes in commitment to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the one who who died on a cross for our sin, was buried in a tomb and was resurrected so that we could have life. And so if someone is here today or listening and they've never said yes to Jesus, today is the day you can say yes. It's as simple as saying no to the way you used to live called repentance, turning from your sin and turning to Jesus, saying, yes, Jesus, I put my trust in you. But there's another yes I believe God is asking from his people today. And that's the yes of commitment to him. That even though we may not know what is written in the blank of what he's calling us to do or what he will call us to do, that we make ourselves available to him for his work. God is asking for your yes this morning to continue on to be the work in progress that he desires you to be. So as we sing together, whether if you're committing yourself to Jesus for the first time and saying yes, whether you're affirming the yes that you readily offer to him, or whether this morning you're saying afresh and anew, Jesus, I say yes to you pray that God would help us as we do that. Will you join me in standing and singing and we trust God to work as he leads us. So will you stand with us? Amen. Why don't you be seated for just a second and Donna is going to and come and, and share something with us and I'd give you a microphone, but I gotta find one real quick. No, hang on just a second. We'll figure out something.
Ah, I've got one right here. There you go. Can you hear me now? Okay, good. Um, hey, uh, we ended up being here a little bit longer than was anticipated. Uh, we were supposed to be here through June 20th and then go back to Japan, but um, you know we have the pandemic thing going on. Um, but thank you for your prayers. We got Matthew's passport this week, so that's a one step closer. Um, also, um, since we were sticking around a little bit and we saw that it looked like we were going to be here a little bit longer, and thank you for letting us live in the mission house during that time, um, uh, Kevin um, reordered some CDs that we put out in Japan, um, that he produced in Japan whenever we had our triple disaster there in 2011 with the um, earthquake, tsunami, and radiation leak. And, um, and, and anyway, it's titled Come to Me, and we just want to make these available to you all, whoever wants one. We just ask that you write down your name so we know who got one. And um, there, I don't know how many songs are on it, but there might even be one in Japanese on here. Six songs, okay. <laughs> there, I think there's a couple, one instrumental and one in Japanese. And um, anyway, if you'd like to take one with you, take home, just sign the little paper that we have with it, and you can have that. It, um, it's a kind of a watering thing. Um, whenever we had the disaster there, um, Come to Me is the title of it. And it's basically from the verse that talks about how if you're weak and heavy laden, come to Jesus and he'll give you rest. So we thought that's kind of timely now too. So. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. So y'all be sure and, and pick up one of those if you're interested in that. I want to thank y'all for, for worshiping with us today. just want to remind you that about five minutes after we, uh, we conclude the service, we will be conducting our, our business meeting, our quarterly meeting. Actually, it's a double quarterly meeting, so I guess it would be a half meeting since you put two quarters together. It's our 50-cent piece meeting, if you want to look at it that way. Um, there will be some folks joining us um, via Zoom, and so um, they'll have a chance to um, participate with us um, from distance, so that'll be a first for us. But would you join me in standing? Um, we're going to sing a song together, and... Um, as the song begins, that will conclude this portion of our service. So thank you and Lord bless you. Bless 